turning in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I want to read verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank You for this service today. We thank You that we can meet in freedom. On this day, we remember those who attacked this country. And we thank You that You have continued to preserve it in the face of that horrible attack of that day. But Father, we pray that You would help us to understand that there is an attack against not just twin towers, but against the threefold cord of the foundation of this country. The Word of God, the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution. It's not by those from without. It's those from within. We pray that You would help us to see that battle and get engaged in it. To that end, we pray that You would bless this message today and use it for Your glory and honor. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin this morning by giving you, I guess, a report on the commissioner's meeting from this past Tuesday and the pro-life resolution that was to be voted on. Last Sunday night, as we were talking about the meeting, I told you of an attempt to move this resolution from the new business agenda where it would be voted on to the consent agenda where it was going to be lumped together with 14 other items and uh, which meant that it could be voted on with just one motion. But thanks to Commissioner Nick Paserno, that didn't happen. So we went to the meeting expecting there to be a vote. The meeting began as you would expect with a prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance. And then the first person to speak was Commissioner Catherine Graham. And what Mrs. Graham did was nothing less than grand-scale politics at its worst. Mrs. Graham proposed taking the pro-life resolution off the agenda so that it would not be voted on by the board. Her reason for doing this, as reported in the pilot, was that it wasn't fair to saddle a future board with an official opinion on the matter when it is expected to be taken up by the state legislature next year. Graham said, I think this board needs to remember that this resolution depends on at least three commissioners sitting on a board who will not be here when this measure is taken up in Raleigh next year. That's a reference to herself and Otis Ritter and Jerry 
Dakey, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, who are retiring from the board in December. And I would just inject here that based on the thinking of not doing something on this resolution because three of the members are leaving and a lame duck board should not saddle a future board with its decisions. If you follow that thinking to its logical conclusion, then the next six board of commissioner meetings should be canceled so as not to saddle the new board with any decisions of this present board. Mrs. Graham went on to talk about how Moore County will have different representation in the state legislature. That has nothing to do with this board voting on this resolution, which it had the perfect right to do. She then said this, Given all that, and the controversial, ding, 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 there's the word, given all that, and the controversial nature of this issue, I believe any issue regarding this matter should come from a current sitting board, that would be the board that would take office in December, with their personal opinions. I want you to underline that word. And they, the new board, should not be required to work with legislation in Raleigh on this board's personal opinions. And with that, Mrs. Graham made the motion that the pro-life resolution be removed from the agenda. Commissioners Quist, Ritter, and Dakey reached for the motion like drowning men for a life preserver. And it passed 4-1 to with Commissioner Nick Paserno being the lone vote against the motion. And so the pro-life resolution was removed from the agenda without ever coming to a direct up-and-down vote. But I want you to make no mistake, that resolution was voted on. And it was defeated. With Graham and Quiss and Ritter and Dakey. It was defeated by them. Defeated by their vote to remove the resolution from the agenda. They voted against it. We need to remember that. Not sure if these folks have any future political ambitions, but we need to remember. Now I think I speak for everyone here who was in that room that we were all stunned. I think we all expected something. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. I had texted Commissioner Perserno Tuesday morning to, to tell him that I was going to be bringing my Constitution class. And in a subsequent text, he said this, You wouldn't believe the pressure that has been put on us. Pray for us, please. Folks, if the other side, the pro-death side, is pressuring this board of commissioners over a non-binding resolution, think of the intensity of the battle that is coming in the legislature when that group 
of people can change the abortion laws in this state. Are we ready for that battle? Are we ready for it? Are we ready for the price that it might require to be paid? According to the pilot, Mrs. Graham later said that her personal opinion on the resolution had not changed because of its removal from the agenda and she still opposed abortion. She said the board overall took an anti-abortion stance. I guess I was in a different meeting. Quote, it is my opinion. All the commissioners are pro-life. Maybe with some exception. But we all followed our conscience. And so the resolution was defeated. But that's just a skirmish, folks, in the war. Wars are full of skirmishes. And we're going to fight on. By the grace of God. Every morning at 8 o'clock, the Bible program on my phone... Um, sends a passage of Scripture for the day. Sometimes it's just one verse. Sometimes it's several verses. The verses for Wednesday morning are the verses that are our text this morning. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. Now as we read these verses, notice that the language... The context is public. It's public. It's about light being shown in public. Ye are the light of the world. That word world isn't referring to the physical world around us, the land and the trees and the plants and the animals. This word world means mankind. And it's a reference to the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God and who are hostile to Christ and who live in and love darkness rather than light. This is the world that the Lord Jesus says that His people are to be a light to. This is our ministry. And for Him to say, His people, to us if we know Him as our Savior, that ye are the light of the world is an incredible statement to think about. Keep your place here and look over at John chapter 8 for just a minute. John chapter 8. Hope you brought your Bibles this morning. We're going to be looking at a number of Scriptures that are important for us to see. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Notice the Lord's words. I am the light of the world. Now look over a page to John chapter 9 and verse 4 where the Lord Jesus says, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
When we put these two verses together, there is a thought that emerges. In verse 4, the Lord Jesus talks about His working while it is day. And He talks about the night coming. And so the question is, when is the day? When is the day? And when is the night going to come? And when is the night going to be over? Well, He tells us in verse 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When the Lord Jesus came into the world, that is when the day began. In Isaiah chapter 9, we have the prophecy of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. We're familiar with verse 6 of that chapter because we hear it quoted uh, quite often around Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But there's another prophecy of the first coming of the Lord in verse 2 of that chapter. And verse 2 of that chapter says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And we know that this is a prophecy of the first coming of the Lord Jesus because of what we read in Matthew chapter 4. Now if you can... Um, Hold your finger here in John and look back where your other finger is in Matthew chapter 5. The place we want to read is, is in chapter 4 and it should be or uh, maybe even on the, the same page. Uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zabulon and Naphtalim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zabulon, the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. There's the prophecy from Isaiah, and it is being fulfilled when the Lord Jesus came. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Now, look over as we make our way back to John. Uh, it, look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Beginning in verse 57 of Luke chapter 1, we have the birth of John the Baptist. And when Zacharias, his father, you remember they said, what's the, what's the child's name? And they thought they, the, his little boy would be named Zacharias. When he confirms that his name is John, his mouth is open and he spake and he began to praise God. Now, notice what we read beginning in verse 76. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto His people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God. Now, notice that from verse 76 
To this point in verse 78, Zacharias is talking about his son John. But then, uh, in verse 78, he's going to begin to talk about someone else. Look, notice in the middle of verse 78, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Notice this word day spring. It's word 395 in the Greek dictionary of the Strong's Concordance, and it means the east, the direction of the sun's rising. In fact, it means a rising of the sun. And so when Zechariah says, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, he's referring to the sun, the S-U-N, the sun of righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what the day spring, the sun of righteousness, is going to do. Verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet unto the way of peace. Takes us back to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, doesn't it? This is why the Lord Jesus said in John's Gospel, well, let's, let's go back there to uh, John's Gospel. This is why He said in chapter 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. And this is why it is day. This is why it's day as long as He was in the world. Chapter 9 and verse 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But when He left the world, when He went back to heaven, it was no longer day. The night season had come. That's why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13 that it is high time to awake out of sleep. When do people sleep? They sleep at night. It's high time to awake out of sleep. He tells us the night, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. What day? 2 Peter 1 and verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. That's the night that we're living in right now because the Lord Jesus... The light of the world has gone back to heaven. So as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the dawn. When is it darkest? It's darkest just before the dawn. And that's exactly what we see. Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And how are we going to know that the night is far spent and the day is about to dawn? The same way that we know in the physical world. We know that the day is about to dawn because we look in the sky early in the morning and we see the morning star. The morning star that God has placed in the heavens. The planet Venus that's visible in the east before sunrise. I want you to think about something. There's a message in that. It's why David wrote in Psalm 19, The heavens declare the glory of God, 
and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. And the speech and the language and the voice of the planet Venus is the language and the voice of 2 Peter 1.19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Who is the day star? Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16 tells us, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Jesus is the bright and morning star. And He is shining now in this night season, the dark of the night season, just as the planet Venus does in the east before sunrise, before the night is spent before the day and the dawn come. The day is at hand. And the sun, the S-U-N of righteousness, is about to arise. But until then, it's night. It's night here in the world. And that's why the Lord Jesus says these amazing words to think about. Let's go back to to Matthew chapter 5. Um... And verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. Remember John 8, 12? The Lord Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And here He says, Ye are the light of the world. What an illustration of 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. We're laborers together with God. While He was in the world, it was day. He was the light of the world. But now He's gone back to heaven and it's night. And He says that now, now, His people are the light of the world. Now how does that work? How does that work? How are we the light of the world? Well, if you will, if you'd like to, turn back to Genesis chapter 1. And we'll see the answer to that question. How does it work? How are God's people the light of the world? Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, that's the sun. And the lesser light to rule the night, that is the moon. Here is another message of creation. The moon has no light of its own. It has no light of its own. The only light the moon has is the light that it reflects from the sun. The light that it reflects from the sun. And when it does that, it gives light in the night. 
Genesis 1.16 explains why the Lord Jesus said these two things. I am the light of the world. He is the light. And ye are the light of the world. The only way that we can be the light of the world is by reflecting the light of the world. The S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, for without me, ye can do nothing. That's true, isn't it? We can't reflect our own light because we have none. We can only reflect His light. And so without Him, we can do nothing. Paul said, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, the light of the world, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness. That is how God's people are the light of the world in this night season. By reflecting the light of the sun, the S-U-N of righteousness. Just as the moon reflects the light of the sun in the sky. And that light, that light is to be a public light. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to stay there the rest of the time. That light is to be a public light. Verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. Doesn't get much more public than that. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 15, Neither do men light a candle. I want you to think about something. A candle is a singular source of light. It's a singular source of light. And when I think of a candle, I think of individual believers. When we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, He gives us the light of life. That's what He said in John chapter 8 and verse 12. He gives us the light of Himself. The Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's what He gives us. The light of Himself. And we're no more in darkness. We have the light of life. But not only does He give us the light of Himself, He gives us the light of His Word. Psalm 119 and verse 105, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119 and verse 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And in the context of what we're talking about this morning, this battle over life, the understanding that the light that God's Word gives to any soul that is simple enough to receive it is that life begins at conception. Genesis 2 and verse 7, 
And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. We've talked about how that verse tells us about the forming, about the conception of Adam by God. If you look this word formed up, you find that it means it refers to individuals at conception. At the moment of conception of the first man, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And to show us that that was not a one-time event, in Psalm 139, the psalm about how we are fearfully and wonderfully made, God tells us in verse 16, In thy book... All my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. That word fashioned is the exact same word as the word formed in Genesis 2-7. And so it refers to individuals at conception. Adam was fearfully and wonderfully made, and at his conception God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And Adam became a living soul. And Psalm 139 tells us that what is true of Adam is true of every human being. God forms, God fashions every baby in the womb. And at the moment of conception, remember, at the moment of forming, that word forming, it refers to individuals at conception. He breathes into their nostrils the breath of life. And that baby... Not that fetus, that baby becomes a living soul made in the image of God. Life begins at conception. That is the light of the Word of God. And as the light of the world, we are to reflect that light. We're not to hide it under a bushel and keep it to ourselves, and label it as our own personal opinion. Folks, God does not have opinions. He is fact. He is truth. And we're not to be ashamed of the light of facts and truth that is here in the Word of God. We're not to hide that light under a bushel. As four of our county commissioners did on Tuesday. I don't care what they say in the aftermath. For the last almost 50 years, it's been easy to be pro-life. Think about it. Elected officials, particularly Republicans, have been able to professed that they were pro-life with little fear of having to prove their claim. And the cover under which they operated, the cover under which they were protected, ironically enough, was the very ruling to which they expressed opposition. Roe versus Wade. But in June... This is an earth-shattering day, June the 24th, 2022, when the Supreme Court of the United States overturned Roe. The cover was removed. 
And on Tuesday, the removing of the cover of Roe versus Wade exposed four of our county commissioners when they removed the pro-life resolution from being considered there on that agenda. Those four put the pro-life light that they professed to believe under a bushel because it was controversial. And they gave a victory to the pro-death side. But I want to tell you something, and I believe it with all my heart. I'm not going to call any names, but I believe that these four commissioners weren't the only ones who were exposed this past Tuesday. Notice again verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. There's a thought that I would like to suggest to you here. In this verse we read about a candle. And we said a moment ago that a candle is a singular light source. I think can speak to us of individual believers. And as individual believers, we're not not to put our light under a bushel. We aren't to hide it. But there's something else that's mentioned in this verse. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. What we see in this verse is that something happens to a candle that multiplies its light, that multiplies its influence, if you will. And what does that is a candlestick. Notice here in verse 15 that when a candle is put on a candlestick, look what happens. It giveth light unto all that are in the house. In Revelation chapter 1, we don't have time to turn there, we learn something about the symbolism of a candlestick. John tells us there in the first chapter that he saw seven candlesticks. And in chapter 1 and verse 20, the Lord Jesus told John and He tells us that the seven candlesticks are the seven churches. And so one of the things that a candlestick speaks to us of is the local church. And to further that symbolism, John saw the Lord Jesus in the midst of the candlesticks. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, the Lord Jesus said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I, where? In the midst of them. That fits here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 15. How is it? Think about this. How is it and where is it that a candle multiplies its light? How is it and where is it that a candle, an individual believer, multiplies their light and their influence? I believe it's at the candlestick of the local church. Do you know what was missing at the commissioner's meeting on Tuesday? The candlesticks. The Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches of this county. 
many of the candles were there. Praise the Lord. I, I saw some of you there. saw some of you candles. But the candlesticks, the churches and the pastors of those candlesticks were missing. Folks, if the Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches of this county had been there, that resolution never would have been taken off the agenda. And I believe it would have passed 4 to 1. You see, the pastors of the candlesticks of Moore County were exposed on Tuesday. Many pastors in this county have been hiding under the cover of Roe versus Wade, just like the politicians. So we're against abortion. We're pro-life, bless God. But there's really nothing that we can do. Why should we ride to Washington, D.C. and march around there? Because Roe versus Wade's the law of the land. Why should we go to Raleigh and march there? By the way, folks, that march is going to be multiplied many, many times over this year. I'm telling you. I think in many ways it will be far more important than the, than the march in Washington. But why should we go up there? Why should we do that? March around with a bunch of Catholics. Roe versus Wade's the law of the land. But now Roe's no longer the law of the land. The battle has shifted right here to Moore County. Where were they? Where were they? I get a text once a month and it goes to 18 or 19 other pastors to come to this big meeting. Speakers and singers will be called from the audience. There will be food. There will be fellowship. We want to be an encouragement to pastors. Two things I think about when I get that text. One is something that Kent said. I believe he said it in his message, The Forgotten Mission Field. He said it's easier for pastors and Christians to sit in our churches and talk about the enemy than it is to go out and engage the enemy in battle. That's where we are now, folks. The other thing that comes to mind is the words of a song. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table. But no one wants to work in my field. No one wants to work in my field. I read that the moon only reflects somewhere between 3% and 12% of the sunlight that hits it. The rest of it, I guess, is absorbed but never reflected. That's the problem with the church of Jesus Christ. We're only reflecting a small portion of the light of the world that is available to us from the Son of Righteousness and His Word. And if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light lest the light ye are the light of the world, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. Takes us back to verse 14, doesn't it? Ye are the light of the world. 
if we reflected 100% of the light of the Son of Righteousness, the rulers of the darkness of this world would have to flee. It's time for the candlesticks, the local churches and the men who pastor them to awake out of sleep and answer the call from heaven, Who is on the Lord's side? Let Him come unto me. If you're lost today, you're living in darkness. And you're living in darkness because you love darkness rather than light because your deeds are evil. Your need is to come to the light. The light of the world, the Son of Righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your need is to deny yourself and lay down your rebellion and repent of your sin and trust the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. That's how you follow Him. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth Me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You can have the light of life this morning. If you'll turn from your sin to the Lord Jesus and trust Him and Him alone to be your Savior. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to look into Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit that takes these Scriptures and, and, and puts them all together in a way that is unmistakable to give a message that is so critical in this hour. Ye, God's people, ye are the light of the world. Father, we pray that as individual candles, we would not hide our light. And as a candlestick, that you would multiply the light of this church, the influence of this church, to this community. Help us not to be discouraged. Help us to go forward in the battle and prepare for the battle that lies ahead. We pray that if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know You as their Savior, that they would turn to You right now. That they might have the light of life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.